Hello, beautiful souls. I apologize if my sound quality is not the greatest today. I am recording this intro in my car. (laughs) The joys of being on the road. And today's episode, I had the honor of welcoming Kat Prue. And Kat is a beautiful soul for many reasons. She is a sex and empowerment coach and works in the realm of Tantra. And today we discuss a wide variety of topics, everything from sex and empowerment to, well, you're just going to have to stay tuned to find out. Kat and I met recently through some networking that I was doing for a new endeavor that I am personally undertaking, and Kat and I actually discussed this at the end of this episode. So if you're curious, you'll just have to stay tuned right until the end. Anyways, I hope this episode brings you some insight and speaks to your soul in one or more ways. As always, thank you for joining me. Here is Kat Prue. So welcome back again, (laughs) round two, attempt two. Uh, So for the listeners, this is my friend Kat Prue, and Kat is a sex and empowerment coach. And today we are going to talk about everything from sex to personal empowerment and Tantra and whatever comes up in between. And I am so happy to have you here and just so glad that our paths crossed when they did. And Mm. I was just very, very drawn to your energy and so curious as to what you do and how all of the work that you do just how it all comes together. And I was just, yeah, I found myself just so fascinated by you. So thank you for Mm. being here and for all the work that you're doing. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. I love podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Me too, obviously. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, If you can just give the listeners a little bit of a background about who you are and how you kind of got into doing the work that you're doing and what kind of what what that call was for you that kind of led you to where you are today Mm, yeah so yeah I've always just been a very sexual person as we've talked about before and um it used to just come out in really unhealthy ways uh, that I felt a lot of shame and and guilt for. Mm -hmm. And so when I discovered Tantra and like sacred sexuality and the whole community uh, when, and I felt like I was celebrated more than shamed for being sexually open or sexually expressive. um, I felt like, this is my home. These are my people. And this is like what I want to learn more about and dive more deeply into. At the time I was a beauty therapist actually. And so I was like, what I realized, like connected the two things for me was that 
when I was a beauty therapist, I really had this desire to support people to feel and feel better about themselves. Mm -hmm. And I was doing that through like the physical appearance. And what I realized was that that was just on the surface level. And, you know, when people would come to me, I was specialized in eyelash extensions. And when they, when I would make them take a break from their lashes, um, they would come back to me and they'd be like, oh my God, I can't even look at myself in the mirror. Mm. <laughs> and that was so sad to me. And so, yeah, so when I, when I got more into what I do now, um, I realized that I just had this desire to go deeper into supporting people to feel better from the inside rather than just on the surface. Because if we don't like, if we don't deal with like the inner, like emotional stuff that makes us feel like bad about our bodies or like feel like we're not pretty enough or like whatever it is, um, then no amount of surface level stuff is going to, is going to help that really. <clears throat> yeah, that's, mm -hmm. uh, that's beautiful. And I can relate to that in so many ways um, from the perspective of beauty and also from my personal experiences in the health industry. And that's very much so why I'm making the shift that I'm making because I just have seen in so many ways and in so many areas of my own life, how there's just such a skewed focus on everything from the outside, whether it's the beauty industry or the health industry, we focus on so many superficial things and we try to kind of give band-aid solutions to them, whether that's throwing pharmaceutical drugs at them or just thinking that we can put on a face per se by putting on makeup and putting on false lashes and, and getting work done and doing all of this other external stuff instead of actually looking within and asking ourselves what's actually going on within and treating from the inside out and mm. yeah it's I, I mean, we need so many changes to be made in education and health and beauty and everything. But yeah, it's um, um, until you really start to address things from the inside and take that inside out approach. Yeah, then it, it becomes projected in those unhealthy ways, like you were saying, and then mm -hmm. it becomes associated with a lot of shame and guilt and insecurity. And so, yeah, yeah, I think your story is beautiful. I think the work that you're doing is beautiful and is so needed. And mm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I'm super fascinated by like, you know, the metaphysical reasons for, for like symptoms that manifest in the body mm -hmm. and like how the underlying emotional issues cause these kind of like this dis-ease to manifest in the body. I'm yeah. super fascinated by, by all of that. I know not very much about Western medicine, but what I do know is that doctors are generally only trained to treat the symptoms and not to like really look at the underlying issues. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it is, it's years and years and years of training and education sure. that to a certain degree, obviously, yes, we're always going to need allopathic medicine for certain things. And there will inevitably be cases where people need pharmaceutical drugs, people need interventional therapies, but that should be the 
last choice, right? Like that should be the Mm -hmm. last thing that we're resorting to. And the first things that we should be looking at is prevention and, and focusing on emotional well-being and our relationships and our relationship to self primarily. And all of those internal factors that yes, when those are out of alignment, they are going to result in exactly what you said. Disease is dis-ease. It's an imbalance in something from within. It's emotional. It's yes, obviously physical manifestation as well, but primarily it normally begins as an imbalance in emotions. And now that I have learned what I have learned and been through what I've been through with my own health and been immersed in allopathic medicine in school and in work now for 12 years. And I've seen so much that just makes me shake my head and take a step back and say, like, we, we need a complete facelift. Mm. It's just, yeah, now I find myself with my own health and with other people's health, always kind of trying to look at it from a, a very integrative perspective. And I mean, so much of it has to do with the chakras and with energy and with emotions. And it's fascinating to me when you really start to address all of those things, you start mm-hmm. to see changes that some people might immediately think are almost just kind of miraculous. Like, oh my gosh, you just started doing this and focusing on this. And all of a sudden your health improved. Like what a, what a miracle, what an amazing thing. And it's like, no, actually like it's all integrated. It's all connected. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I mean, I think if we actually really took that approach to health, to relationships, to sexuality, man, I mean, we would just be living in such a different world. And I really do hope that we get to witness that. I think there is a shift happening, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, something that many people don't know about me is that I went through a journey with my own health in terms of like, I, when I was like 23, I developed this um, pretty severe allergy called the oral allergy syndrome. And basically I was Mm -hmm. allergic to like fresh fruits and vegetables and tree nuts and as a vegetarian at the time I was vegetarian but now I'm a vegan that was very difficult for me and like I was basically told by doctors that there was nothing that I could do and that I would just have to live with this and so I started to like kind of just manage my like manage it um and then somebody said to me one day um is it do you think it could just be all in your head? <laughs> I was just like, so triggered by that. I was like, do yeah. you know, this is real. But it got me thinking like, okay, like maybe there's something that I can do to like shift this. And so I started really looking at my diet and looking at nutrition. And um, there's a book called Healing with Whole Foods that that person shared with me. And um, on my own journey and like discovery through like trying out different ways to heal it, I actually no longer like I I do have allergic reactions every once in a while but it's super rare and much more minimal than it used to be um and actually I only have allergic reactions in Canada which is really weird I've never had an allergic reaction anywhere else in the world I'm not sure what it is about our food here but (laughs) I'm smiling because 
I've been through something so similar and it's just, I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me because I, I know that our journeys have been similar in many ways, but it's, it's truly just exemplary of exactly that, like our emotional well-being, and yes, the quality of the products that we're putting into our body too. I was diagnosed as being celiac in second year of my undergrad and then went through a lot of gut issues over probably the course of like five to seven years and then got into competitive bodybuilding and just the extremes, um, extreme dieting, extreme training. It was just kind of the straw that broke the camel's back for me. And again, I was dealing with internal issues by trying to quote unquote, fix things from the outside, right? Like I was focusing on looking good from the outside. And that's not to say that I wasn't eating healthy and focusing on inner health to a degree, but it wasn't until I really hit rock bottom with my health. And I had been diagnosed with basically just having, um, IBS and most doctors very similar to you. They just told me, this is just something you have to live with. And, um, it wasn't until I started working with a functional health specialist who said, look, you have to really start addressing what's going on within. And he was the first person who encouraged me to start doing things like meditation and yoga. And for the first few months that I worked with him, I was not allowed to lift weights. I was only allowed to do yoga and go for walks and do mm. just very, very low stress, very mindful practices when it came to physical activity and really start being incredibly mindful of my emotions and like even eating, like being very present when I was eating and not just like inhaling food, like giving thanks for the food that I was eating and really being conscious about what was going into my body and how it was serving my body. And through all of that, I fixed all of my allergies as they wanted to call them and mm. my IBS. And now even I have noticed recently that I've had little bits of gluten here and there. And even though I was diagnosed as celiac, which technically is an autoimmune disease and usually is something that again, you just have to live with for life. Um, I don't react anymore. And especially when it's like you said, mm. good quality Love food that. and it's not just junk food. I mean, my body still hates junk food. I, <laughs> I get very watery and bloated and everything from refined sugars and artificial dyes and everything. But again, I personally don't think that's an allergy. I personally think that's my body saying, Hey, this is not serving me the energetics of this food and like what you're putting in your body. Like this is just junk. It is it's junk food. And that's not to shame anybody who has a treat or like likes to go out for a burger or ice cream or whatever. I mean, everything in moderation. Me. Obviously. <laughs> yes. And obviously we're all human. We're all going to have cravings. We're all going to want to treat ourselves, but it just that mindfulness about your body is a temple and what you are putting in your body, whether it affects you immediately or not, it is going to reflect in your overall health. And yeah, I mean, I, 
I had so many issues for so long until I really started to go within and deal with the unresolved traumas and the emotional issues that I was just putting band-aid solutions on from the outside by trying Mm -hmm. to look good and feel good externally and not focusing on my inner world. Yeah, totally. I always say that, you know, if you go your whole life feeling like crap and you don't know what it feels like to feel good, then you just think that that's normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's the same thing with like with sexuality. You know, we're not taught anything about sexuality. And a lot of times, like, you know, I tell people what I do, like I'm a sex and empowerment coach and like maybe it's a couple. I had this happen the other day, a couple. Um, I told them what I did and the girl was like, oh, maybe I could talk to you. And he was like, I think we have it. I think we got it covered. And it's just like, I can guarantee you that I could teach you some stuff about sexuality that you do not know or have covered. Yeah. Just that (laughs) knee jerk response, that reactive defensive response. Like that is just the unconscious toxic masculine just coming up right away. Right. Like, nope, we don't need to learn anything. We, we are perfect. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I think just the the willingness to be curious and open minded is something that we're really lacking and is truly exemplary in how our society and the state of our world is right now but mm-hmm. I, I think with anything but especially with sexuality that component of curiosity is so important and yeah yeah totally i agree so what what would you say are the main focuses of your work when somebody first comes to you as a client what what do you typically like to start addressing and start looking into Oh, well, it really depends on what they're wanting to work with, like why they're coming to see me. Um, I would say the most common theme would be slow everything down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, that totally came up to me when you were sharing about like food and how you were eating and how you were encouraged to like slow down and like not just inhale your food. And like, because mm-hmm. Like Tantra, people think that Tantra is all about sexuality just because it's like one of the only, if not the only modality or like practice that incorporates all aspects of being, including sexuality mm-hmm. um, in into it. Um, but really Tantra is a way of living that like, let's go of being goal orientated and we slow everything down and we're just more present in, in life. So we're enjoying the journey rather than needing to get to the destination. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, slowing down would be number one. Um, Number two is teaching people about their bodies and how they're their sexual energy works and how their sexual energy moves, how to process their emotions using breath, sound, and movement. Um, And just like, really, I always tell people, (laughs) my clients, I'm just here to love you. Mm. Yeah, there's a, there's a, a 
psychoanalyst and he wrote a book his name is Carl Rogers he wrote a book called on becoming a person and I read the whole book but in the beginning um it he says something that really resonated with me and it was what kind of relationship can I offer this person that's going to support the most transformation in them and so I really try to operate from that place I don't try I do operate from that place Mm -hmm. and what most of us are missing is just being loved you know people share things with me and they're like oh this is probably bad or like oh I shouldn't be sharing this or oh this is embarrassing or shameful or whatever it is and I'm like they share it with me and I'm just like that's normal like I talk to so many people and like we all think that what we're going through is so unique to us and like we're the only one that feels this way and but it's not true like Mm -hmm. if we would just more openly talk about things then like people would see that everybody else or many people are going through the same challenges as we are and maybe we can support support each other through them yeah I think Mm -hmm. there's so much to be said for having people like that in our life whether that's a friend or a coach just somebody who provides that space and I think that was a large reason why I was so drawn to you and your energy is because you really just exude that really welcoming, wholesome, just like you are safe when you're in my presence kind of energy. And, um, just the one session that we did together before I left to, that's exactly how I felt. I just felt that I could be very authentic and just be myself and speak my truth. And so, yeah, I just want to acknowledge you for that. You Mm. really, provide a a very very safe and sacred space for people and I think that's that's such a a a crucial element of being a coach or a guide and doing the kind of work that you do and so yeah thank you for that Mm, yeah my pleasure my privilege (laughs) and yeah I mean there there really is so much shame around emotions and especially when it comes to sexuality I think so many of us silence ourselves or are afraid to share our wants and our desires and um yeah I know for me personally I've definitely struggled similar to you I've always felt like I've been a very sexual being and have a very high sexual energy and in the past I I've really struggled to know how to um, express that and to also utilize that in healthy ways that are safe and serve me and don't just result in interactions that leave me feeling empty and unfulfilled and it's hard and I think especially as a woman too like you touched on before just with the shame and the guilt of being a sexual individual and and having all of those stigmas and derogatory terms that we've grown up with in society that especially as a woman if you're sexual and you express that then you're slutty you're a whore you're um, sleazy you're easy and all of these things and 
And then for men on the opposite end of the spectrum, it's don't be too emotional. Don't like if you're all romantic and you do slow things down and you do pay attention to the energetic and emotional components, then you're not masculine enough. And it's just, mm. yeah, it's, it's so hard to navigate. Yeah, totally. I mean, one of the things that, uh, you know, my, my mentor talks a lot about is that we're raised so differently, um, as children as well, like, like males and females, like little girls are smack or sorry, little boys are smacked harder and more often than little girls they are given less physical affection. Um, it's more acceptable for them to be naked, sexual or aggressive. It's less acceptable for them to be, to express their emotions. Little girls, it's less acceptable for them to be naked, sexual or aggressive, aggressive, and they're expected to act nice and people please. And so for growing up with these two very different experiences from a young, young age, then how can we be expected to relate with one another's experience and, and like being really, yeah. it's, it's, it's fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, and do you do a lot of work with couples? Um, I do some work with couples. Yeah. And it, it also blows my mind how, you know, sometimes people will come to me in their in a sexless marriage let's say and but they don't talk about it <laughs> they don't talk about the fact that they're not having sex or what would make them happy and I'm like they want more intimacy in their in their connection in their relationship in their life um and part of cultivating intimacy is experiencing vulnerability and expressing vulner vulnerably mm -hmm. and so part of cultivating intimacy is having those difficult, vulnerable conversations. Because when we face challenges together and work through them together, it brings us closer together and creates more intimacy between us. Yeah. And so if we can create a safe space to have these difficult conversations and work through these challenges together, then we're going to have more fulfilling relationships. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I've had so many conversations with people recently about, um, just people not being fully satisfied in their relationships, whether that's sexually or just in general from a broad perspective. And I mean, there's, it, it's so deeply ingrained and there's so much wounding and cultural conditioning that all plays into that. But yeah, I mean, for me personally, having a very deep and intimate sexual connection with a partner is something that is so important to me in a relationship. And so I can't imagine being married for X number of years or being in a long-term committed relationship and just getting to the point where that's just non-existent and you don't even talk about it. I mean, I have a lot of empathy for that because obviously there's so much that plays into that, but mm. I can't imagine how that factor alone would affect a relationship dynamic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And you know, it's, it's fascinating to me because they'll come to someone like me or they'll talk to their friends and they'll share things about their you know their personal life or what they're not satisfied about but then when it comes to the person that is most close to them 
them that can actually make the most difference and have the most impact and change that mm-hmm. it's like we're afraid we're afraid to to really open and be vulnerable with that person even though they're the ones that can probably hold that the most although I suppose it it can be challenging you know because because um you know, sometimes the person that's closest to us actually is the one that that are hurt, that hurts us the most because yeah. we are the most most vulnerable with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's I I just find it so so sad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And what, there's so many ways that we can can connect and create intimacy beyond sexuality as well. And so I think it's really valuable whether to have like. Uh, I think people shy away from having a, from hiring a, a relationship coach or like a, a therapist or anything like that, because they think that means there's something wrong with them, but it just, it's, it's just not the truth. You know, mm-hmm. it's always good to have somebody there to talk to and to support you through things and to, to help you to cultivate more intimacy and connection and understanding. Absolutely. Yeah. I think again, it's just a, a stigma and a conditioned belief. Like when somebody thinks about going to therapy, it often is just thought of as like sitting in a room on a couch, staring (laughs) into this person's eyes and having to talk (laughs) about your feelings. And it's so much more than that. And especially with people like yourself who have done so much training and really bring in so many unique and individual components into it. And when you're working with somebody like yourself, it is, it's so much more than just sitting in a room and talking about your feelings. And Mm. I think, I mean, it is scary, obviously, yes, to even entertain the thought of going to a therapist or hiring a coach, especially if you've never had one before. But I mean, for anybody who's listening, for myself, going to therapy and working with a variety of coaches and guides has been one of the most invaluable things that I've incorporated into my life. And I mean, I don't, going forward, I really don't have any intention of ever not having a coach again because it just it adds so much and it really forces you to ask a lot of questions and and take a lot of steps back when they're necessary to really look at how you can constantly be improving and to really implore those elements of taking radical responsibility for your life and not blaming other people mm-hmm. and and yeah just taking ownership for everything that you have to work on and it's such a a key element of healing and growing and so yeah it's <sighs> yeah it's a lot of work <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but so worth it. So worth it. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you're working with couples, what do you find people are struggling with the most? And what are what are some exercises or some ways that you really find to be the most uh beneficial to couples really kind of reigniting that sexual fire and and growing together Hmm. yeah I really I I do 
like prefer to work with individuals one-on-one first Mm -hmm. and then like bring it together as like a like a, a couple's um coaching session yeah um but I would say what is the most common thing that comes up hmm probably just like just a lack of communication and a lack of awareness of you know we touch we touch other people the way that we want to be touched so it's just like and we treat other people the way that we want to be treated and so it's just about communicating how how I want to be touched or how I want to be treated or how I want to be pampered or pleasured so that I can then uh, sorry, communicating that, understanding that within my own body first, so that I can then communicate that with my partner. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, men's and women's sexual zones on sexual arousal zones on the body, for example, are like pretty much opposite. Like to, there's a primary sexual zones and there's sex, secondary sexual zones. And the primary sexual zones in a female body are the lower inner thighs, the chest and breast area but not the nipples Hmm. and for that's a a basics and then in male bodies it's the upper inner thighs and the genitals but not the head of the penis and the nipples and so it's pretty much opposite so because men like to in order to create arousal in a, a male body um you would touch the genitals or the nipples first so that's what they go for first in a woman which actually mm. makes the female shut down they're like oh that's too much too fast you know and i think that sometimes um like if she's not already aroused and i think that sometimes women maybe they I'm going to use the word, I don't know if this is the word that I want to use, but endure, because it just comes up, they endure it, um, because they think that's what the man wants, rather than really being in tune with themselves and what they want, and it takes women, like, a, a female sexuality is like, a pot of water on the stove that's trying to boil mm-hmm. versus male sexuality is like fire you like the fire and it is hot it is good to go <laughs> so there needs to be this kind of like uh like balance and communication to support each other to um to ride that wave of pleasure and bliss mm-hmm. and not need to necessarily have those peak uh peak highs and lows mm-hmm. like you know when I when a like when a, uh, a man ejaculates or a woman has a quickie clitoral orgasm it's a very similar experience in that it's very energy draining for the body and it's also actually to stop the pleasure basically the nervous system is going oh my god this is too much I can't handle it yeah. <laughs> too much pleasure too much pleasure <laughs> so we ejaculate we have a quick orgasm for it to be over but really we have the ability to experience so much more pleasure in our body than we allow ourselves to on a regular basis mm-hmm. and so that's one of the main things that I would sh- that I, I share with all of my clients male or female <laughs> yeah and on that topic of 
the female enduring, even when she's not necessarily maybe enjoying to the full extent. I thought something that you shared with me that was so fascinating to me was that you said that the the two brain centers that shut down in a woman when she is aroused are her logic and her language. And so that then translates into not speaking her mind, not saying what she wants. And then also the logic component. I mean, that can also be dangerous to a certain degree. It's morals actually. Mm -hmm. Oh, morals. Morals, not logic. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Morals. Well, that's even more dangerous, right? Um, (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yeah, totally. So that makes it, you know, more difficult to speak and communicate and more likely to do things that she wouldn't normally do otherwise and Mm -hmm. then later when her language and her moral center turn back on then she's filtering that experience through all of the religious and social conditioning that she has about sexuality and could potentially make that experience that she had whether it was it could have been the most amazing experience she's ever had in the moment and later when she's filtering that experience through that conditioning then it all of a sudden it becomes a a negative thing and she becomes a victim yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um for yourself in your journey of kind of dissociating from those elements of cultural conditioning and shame what do you think were some of the practices and some of the ways that you were able to kind of start to step away from all of those, just all of the ways that we are taught growing up in our education and in how we end up um, integrating in relationships that result in us having this kind of silenced and somewhat toxic relationship with our own sexuality how did you really start to overcome that and what were the major factors and practices that really played a role in you becoming who you are today and having the perspective that you do today Mm. well number one is being around people that that could hold that space for me and that celebrated me for my sexuality rather than shamed me for it Mm -hmm. that was probably one of the biggest things and number two is really loving myself through it and knowing that it's okay whatever I'm going through what I'm feeling it's all good and really like um I do this practice where you know let's say for example I go on um I go on a date and maybe it doesn't go well, or maybe I get stood up or whatever it is anytime, or like I make plans with a friend and the friend doesn't show up. Anytime I feel like I feel neglected or abandoned or rejected or whatever the wound is that comes up, I ask myself how I can, why am I feeling this way? Number one. And number two, how can I feel better? Mm -hmm. And so what it has resulted in is me taking myself on dates a lot. (laughs) So like if somebody doesn't show up, for example, use that one. 
then I take myself out on a date, either whether that's going out for dinner, whether it's going for a walk, out to a movie. I do things by myself a lot. Um, Running myself a bath, like ordering myself a nice dinner, lighting candles all around and just like being really romantic and loving with myself, you know, having a beautiful self-pleasure ceremony, like whatever that looks like, whatever it looks like, even just like loving self-talk. You know, it's it's the, when these triggers and these wounds come up it's the inner child that's really feeling triggered and wounded and so just going within myself and speaking to my inner child and asking her what she needs and giving her a hug and telling her she's loved and that even if they abandon you and if they reject you I will never abandon or reject you and that has been probably one of the the biggest things for me it's really how can I love myself more and how can I feel better because that's most important is like feeling good as long as you feel good that's what's what's empowering really Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah that's beautiful thank you for that Mm -hmm. share Mm -hmm. yeah it's uh it's so hard to do that work. And I think that's a large part of the reason why we see so many people in relationships where they're not happy, but they're not willing to make a change is because they either don't believe in their own self-worth or they're so afraid to spend that time alone because they haven't done that in the past and they haven't been alone for long enough. I mean, I, I myself was one of those people in past years who jumped from one relationship to another and Mm. was very uncomfortable sitting in silence and being truly alone. And that's a large reason why I didn't incorporate practices like meditation and yoga. And I always use the excuse that, oh, I just have too much energy for yoga or, oh, I just, I mean, I can't sit still long enough to do a meditation. And until I really started to force myself into those spaces of discomfort, I didn't really realize how much there was there for me to work with. And Mm. so, yeah, I think that's a, a powerful statement and just testament to how important that work is not only to do for yourself, but in order for you to have happy and thriving relationships is to be comfortable and confident in your own skin and to do things like take yourself out on dates and have those practices where you're just really, I mean, pleasuring yourself in whatever way comes up for you that doesn't have to be sexually but yeah just Mm -hmm. able to attend to your needs and I think that awareness too will then be it will arise in your sexual relationships because when you know what you want and you know what you like and you're not afraid to speak up for that and tell a partner exactly what that is then that's going to make an exponential difference in how somebody else can pleasure you when you know how to pleasure yourself. Totally. The most important relationship that you will ever have in your life is the relationship that you have with yourself. Mm 
Mm-hmm. It's so important to just keep coming back to that. You are the only person that is with you 24-7 for the rest of your life. Other people come and go, even if you're in a long-term relationship, like that can always end as well. And like, you know, mm-hmm. to attach our identity or our self-worth to this other person being there when they go, like, you know, sometimes people end a long-term relationship and they're like, okay, now who am I? Who am I without this person? Yeah. And I really love how you shared about, you know, feeling like you're too energetic for for yoga or meditation. Mm-hmm. I always find it so funny when, when people say things like that. I'm just like, but it is a practice, you know? It's like you don't go to the gym because you're already strong. You yeah. go to the gym to get strong. You don't do yoga because you're already flexible. You go to, yo- you do yoga to get more flexible and to mm-hmm. be more centered. And you don't go, you don't do meditation because you already have a quiet mind. You do, you practice meditation to quiet your mind. And yeah, so I always find it so funny when people, when people <laughs> say that to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's a, mm. that's a really nice comparison and reframe and just a reminder because yeah, it's so easy to make those excuses and pass things off as being unimportant or just, just saying, oh, that's not who I am, or that's not something that I would enjoy. Well, so much of what really contributes to our growth and evolution are going to be things that we don't enjoy. And very often you will actually find that after you do start incorporating them into your practice, that you do really fall in love with them. And I think that's, yeah, it's a beautiful and really um, something that we disregard and don't really, um, recognize until until we put it into practice until it really becomes an element of our life and then we take a step back and look back at ourselves in the past and say wow like that actually has really really helped me evolve and that's really changed who I am Mm, yes absolutely (sighs) Mm, that feels so good (laughs) And just to go back to what you were saying too about um, feeling like another person is our other half or um, Mm. people not knowing who they are when a relationship ends or when they lose somebody. Again, that's just so ingrained into us by how we're raised and what we're taught in school and what we consume in social media and in like even Disney. I mean, it's so Mm. romanticized for to have your knight in shining armor come rescue you and for, yeah, for the man to complete you or for the woman to complete you and for that other person to be your other half when we really shouldn't be looking for another half. We should be looking to make ourselves whole and come together with our other whole, not Mm. looking for somebody to complete us, to be complete as the person that we are and to have somebody who enhances us, not Mm -hmm. completes us. Absolutely. We're constantly looking for things outside of ourselves to make us happy to create arousal in our body like you know porn or another person but really like we have the ability to 
to create arousal in our own body and to make ourselves happy. And we don't need to depend or rely on, on other people for those things. Mm -hmm. Of course, like, you know, we are community creatures. And so it's beautiful to have people around and that really does enhance, you know, our lives for sure. And we can, and ultimately, like, I think it's important to cultivate our own happiness and learn how to cultivate our own arousal in our own body first, so Mm -hmm. that then we are bringing this, like, addition to a relationship or to a community or to a tribe, rather than taking from it. Yeah. Because that's really what it is. Like, we're just, like, it's, it becomes this kind of codependent thing. Yeah, absolutely. For any of the listeners who might be struggling with um, feeling shameful with their sexual desires or having a high sexual energy or um, maybe even just not knowing exactly what they really do want and like, whether that's because they've just ended a relationship where they weren't fulfilled sexually, or they're still exploring, or they're still in the process of (laughs) defeating all of those shells of shame and guilt. What, what would be some words of advice that you would give to people who are navigating these very turbulent waters? (laughs) Yeah, I keep coming back to slow down and mm. there's a, a song from when I was young that was kind of like a punk rock song that goes, if it feels good, do it, even <laughs> if you shouldn't, don't let people mess you around. And like, I, I say that all the time and I don't necessarily mean if it feels like good, like this temporary spike of happiness, you know, but like if it feels good, like if it feels nourishing to your body and your soul, like do that, move towards mm-hmm. what feels good. Be loving with yourself, be gentle with yourself. Don't put pressure on yourself to be something that you're not. Just love who you are and mm-hmm. everything else, everything that you are is, is perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even the, even the ugly parts, (laughs) you know, there's a, or the parts that feel not, but they feel ugly. You know, there's a a Carl Jung quote that goes something like, in order to change anything, you must first accept it. So it all starts Mm -hmm. with acceptance and loving ourselves. And from there, then we can make changes, but ultimately like just loving yourself on where you are at right now, whatever that looks like Mm -hmm. is what's going to support the most growth and transformation in yourself yeah Mm, beautiful thank you Mm. yeah um (sighs) I had another question and it just seemed to escape me (laughs) (laughs) what's what are the key differences that you see between what men and women struggle with when it comes to being really sexually in tune and really having fully embodied sexual experiences. Mm. 
Um, I would say for men, it would be an addiction to their ejaculation. You know, a lot of times, um, because like, because men are taught that it's, are often taught that it's not okay to express their emotions. They learn to deal with their emotions in other ways, which is most often through masturbation and ejaculation. And so it's that, that addiction to ejaculation and that, because that sensation, um, overrides because the, the sensation of orgasm is, at first, a much more subtle sensation. And so slowing down and like tuning into that can be really challenging for men and male bodies. Mm-hmm. And um, for if, especially because in order to really tune into that sensation, they need to practice not ejaculating for a while, which can be a really scary thought for a lot of men. Mm-hmm. Um, And then for women, I would say just a lack of knowledge or or awareness really, and maybe almost like a, like an avoidance of like really learning about their own bodies because it is considered, you know, there's this like subconscious conditioning that we have um, from society that it's shameful, that our bodies are shameful, that we, you know, that that pleasure is for like something that we give to men, Mm -hmm. you know? And so to experience pleasure in our own body, it's like we almost avoid it. And so there are so many women in the world that do not experience orgasm. And so like, I really encourage women to explore your own body and like explore, um, your, your genitals and like develop a relationship with your genitals, like feel them and feel like, Oh, I'm feeling pain over here. Okay. Like, let me put a little bit of pressure there and like breathe into it and like, see what happens, like send energy there, you know, Mm -hmm. just open, open up and like really yeah, can just connect with and develop an, an intimate relationship with our genitals and not just for women, but for men as well. Like, I feel like, you know, most people uh, only touch their genitals when they want something from them. And I think it's really beautiful to touch your genitals, not to take something from them, like to make them have an orgasm or to ejaculate, but to just give them love and to give them attention and like, you know, to pleasure them without any goal in mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm, That's such a a unique and and really important reminder. And again, just goes back to like, I can think of times when I was growing up or even being an adult and watching friends and just people in public with their children and like boys, often little boys will want to like whip out their genitals and like play with their genitals. And often it's shamed and it's like, no, don't do that. Don't touch that. Don't, don't be that way. And yeah, I think that's something again, it's just, we're so conditioned not to. And, and in our education system, we're taught about sex from a place of what not to do. And like, mm-hmm. don't, don't get pregnant. Don't, don't get an STI. So here are the ways that you can protect yourself, which are obviously important things to be taught, but we're not taught about the energetics. We're not taught about the connection to self, to our partner. And yeah, it's, there's so many things that are just missing and how we're taught about it, that 
then yeah I mean even just for you to say that like it it seems something like something that not many people talk about is that touch with no intention of gratification or of like actual sexual nature it's just it's part of your body and it's it's there and it's a part that needs loving too Mm-hmm. yeah totally and that just comes back to like the western medicine and like how we're um I mean not that I'm not saying at all that west all western medicine is bad but just the way that we're taught about our our genitals and our sexuality like it's all focused on disease and dysfunction and it's not um it's we're not taught about you know the everybody like not everybody most people think that you know the clitoris is just this like little tip that like is covered by the hood but actually the clitoris is like this whole inner structure that is much larger than just that little that little tip that's like super pleasurable and has like 8,000 nerve endings in it you know there's Mm -hmm. actually so much more to the inner structure of the clitoris and that's becoming more well known nowadays which I love and is amazing um but yeah just those little things like because because the clitoris only has a function for pleasure and there's no disease or dysfunction associated with it um it's not taught about or it's ignored or avoided or whatever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> oh yes my goodness the things that we learn about and the things that are completely negated that I mean I just there's times where I just reflect and wish I could go back in time and just not learn all of these things that I was taught that really either contributed in a negative way or were just did not serve me whatsoever. Mm. Um, But I really, like I said before, I do hope that we continue to see this shift because as you said, it is becoming more prevalent and things are being destigmatized and we're starting to have more of an awareness of healthy sexuality and the divine masculine and feminine and the importance of energy and all of the elements of relationships, but I think, yeah, it's just years and years and years of conditioning that really are going to take a long time to make that shift. And Mm, I don't want to manifest that. I want to manifest it happening sooner. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. True. True. Yeah, Yeah. I think things are moving in in that direction. And like, it's important that we, you know, even this conversation that you and I are having right now, like, it's important that we talk about these things and share our experience and our knowledge and, um, and our wisdom and, you know, share this with with the world. And um, yeah, that's one step in the in that direction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I noticed I can't remember if it was on your Instagram or your website, um, that you have a 90 day coaching journey. Um, Mm -hmm. what, what does that entail? I was curious. Mm. Uh, that is really designed. Like it's an intuitive experience. It's designed on what the person is wanting to work with. I could create this, you know, this kind of structured plan, um, 
but then it might not fit to exactly what this person is wanting to explore or learn about. And so um, it's really uh, like whatever is coming up for them and whatever they want to share. Mm-hmm. Um, it, ha- it includes one call a week um, and it can be customized to whatever they want. And then some like, like texting support in between those calls as well. Yeah. And you yeah. do teach workshops as well, correct? I do. Yeah. I haven't been teaching them um, recently because of obviously everything that's going on in the world right now. It makes yeah. it really challenging, but, but I definitely plan to, to start teaching workshops again um, in 2022. And are you still heading off to Ireland? Yeah, I'll be going to Mexico and I'll be there for a couple months and then I'll go to Ireland and I'm going to start teaching some workshops there in Ireland. And then I'll be coming back to Canada, to Calgary in the spring. Um, And I've talked to a few people already that are interested in creating, co-creating workshops Mm -hmm. with me as well. So I love co-creating with people. I like doing things on my own as well, but I really love co-creating with people, especially when it comes to workshops. Amazing. Yes. And I am excited to co-create with you in the very near Mm. future. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I haven't obviously really talked about what I'm working towards with this vision on social media much, but I think the work that you're doing is just so, so important and sexual empowerment and relational empowerment are just so essential to our overall well-being and our happiness and yeah so I am just so excited to stay in contact with you and for whatever we end up creating with everything that is kind of still in the works it's very exciting do you you want to share about it yeah I guess we could yeah (laughs) Um, sure um So yeah, I guess for the listeners, um, (laughs) many of you who have been following me will know that I have started to really take a step back from allopathic medicine and healthcare. I've known for a long time, it's just not, not my calling, not my true purpose and everything I've experienced and witnessed has really, uh, inspired me to, be the catalyst for change and to start Mm. something that shifts the focus from treating from the outside in to treating from the inside out and focus instead on prevention of illness. And if illness arises to focus on holistic and energetic ways that we can address whatever is going on through things like breath work and sound therapy and meditation and plant medicine and all of these integrative healing practices. So I have started creating a team of holistic healing visionaries, I guess, is what we're calling it. And we are hoping Mm -hmm. to start a movement to start doing retreats. And the end goal is to hopefully have a healing center where people can come to heal, to grow, to learn, to have community, to really just 
focus on whole mind, body, soul, well-being? Mm. <sighs> yes, I love that vision. And yeah, just as you said that you're really drawn to me and my energy and what I do, I was also very drawn to you and your energy and what you're sharing with the world as well. So thank you for that and for bringing us together and everybody else that's involved in this project together as well thank you love Mm -hmm. I appreciate you and I'm so 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 excited to work with you again and I'm so excited to see what you continue to create and for the listeners if you are in Calgary or you feel called to do some self-discovery with sexual empowerment whether you're single or in a relationship, I would so encourage you to reach out to Kat to work with her one-on-one or to simply go follow her on social media and just kind of start to dip your toes in those waters and get curious. Yeah, for sure. If you want to check out my Instagram, it's love embodied. It only has one E in the middle, love and embodied share an E. And I'm sure that you will share um, that a link to that or something. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'll put all of that in the show notes. Um, I'll put your link tree in the show notes as well. And Perfect. yeah, thank you again for being here and just sharing your energy, sharing this space and for the space that you create for everybody else that you work with. Mm, yeah thank you so much for inviting me mm. and yay praise the wi-fi gods that we got through this episode. <laughs> yes <laughs> last time was a nightmare so yeah <sighs> thank you the listener for being here and i hope that you all have an absolutely wonderful day Breathe.